Hello, Masonic Light listeners. This is Josh. Since we recorded this episode, the situation with the coronavirus has resulted in the Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania making the wise decision to halt all Masonic activity within our lodges through May 1st. Some events mentioned in this episode have been canceled or postponed, including, unfortunately, the chicken pot pie dinner fundraiser for a dear brother. It might be a rough couple of months, so please wash your hands, stay safe, and maybe think about just staying home. From the new recording lair located deep beneath the Wine and Spirit Store in Ephrata, Pennsylvania. You're listening to the Masonic Light Podcast. Studio 665 presents Masonic Light Podcast. This show is recorded by Masons, for Masons, and is for entertainment purposes only. And please, no wagering. This podcast is not endorsed by any Grand Lodge, and the ridiculous ramblings of the hosts are their own. And now, here's your host. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Episode 93. 93. Is it really? Larry, there's a microphone. You have to get closer. Oh, I do. Okay. There you go. Episode 93. Can you believe it? Wow. Um, I'm your host, Pete, and um, in studio with me tonight are Tim, Larry, and Josh, and Jack is here. He's out in the hallway talking to our district deputy. He got called to the principal's office. <laughs> yeah, we started out so the speak. we started out the phone call with him or the show with him on speakerphone, and he's like, "Yeah, you're not going to want to put this on the air." And then they just walked out. I go, "Oh my goodness!" <laughs> so maybe we're all getting our cards pulled. Yeah, we'll, we'll know soon. All right, this episode is brought to you by through the support of our patreons. Uh, for as little as one dollar per month, you can help keep the Masonic Light Podcast on the air. One. <laughs> just visit masonic no visit patreon.com slash masonic late podcast to sign up you know as of this morning larry guess how many uh how many sponsors we have sponsors how many patrons, patrons. oh i'd say 32 larry i sent you the notes earlier you should oh, know you this. did <laughs> <laughs> we have 28 20 hey that's good yeah <laughs> hey you were close whoa you know what would be even better is if we got two more and had 30. Oh, that would be awesome. Or 33. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Or 33 would or be 33 great. Would be cool. Yeah. One Magic. dollar a month. Boys Magic. And girls. Right. And, um, you know, if you guys wonder what we're spending money on, it's, um, I wish it was liquor and no dose for and, and things, and, but it's not. Um, it's for rent, it's for uh, cable. And hopefully... A video camera soon. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, we have a, a webcam that I... That's like 15 years old. <laughs> well, it died tonight. You're right. It totally died tonight. Oh, goodness. goodness. So um, later on the show, we're going to hear an interview from author and brother Ronald Bates, who is the author of Shakespeare's Lost Purple Bloodline. Um. Very interesting. It's um, I don't know how we we, we just spoke with with Ron. Uh, we're still digesting it, but uh, we'll lot, come back. We'll come back. A lot of, lot of genealogy. Yes, and uh, also on our show tonight, we're going to be hearing from our resident Pennsylvania Dutchman, 
Dutchy Doug. Dutchy Doug. I love Dutchy Doug. Um, Masonic Light podcast symbologist Michelle, Michelle Snyder. Josh, are we going to hear some uh, Jim Stevens? We will hear from Jim Stevens. I'm, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. I don't even need the whole seat. <laughs> uh, Brother Walter Conkite will handle the Masonic news. And our closing thoughts by our own Larry Maris. Yes. Uh, so we're going to briefly go around and see what everybody's been up to. Tim, you handle this. I've talked enough. Okay. Well, uh, for me, most recently, just the usual monthly stated meetings at Eureka West Shore Lodge number 302. And uh, uh, just this past week, we had a uh, stated meeting of Samuel C. Perkins Royal Arts Chapter. Uh, had a really good program um, on a lot of the, uh, actually some of the more esoteric pieces of the uh, Royal Arch degree, which I thought was uh, pretty interesting. Um, but uh, it, it's actually been a quiet couple of weeks, Masonic Lake, which is kind of nice. Uh, we're down to three NPDs, uh, uh, the non-payment of dues for folks, which is great for a lodge our size. It's actually great for a lodge of any size. But uh, our audit is done and approved. Uh, so it's it's been a good been a good few weeks. Uh, Larry, um, have you done anything Masonically? Masonically, uh, other than the Goose and Gridiron breakfast, not really. And that's because for the past couple of weeks, I even had a Miss Lodge meeting last week. I had toe surgery, and I can't put a shoe or a sock on. Those and, Crocs are looking sharp. Yeah. <laughs> I had yeah, to beat Crocs. all the women off of you on the way into the building tonight. <laughs> so, no, I haven't. Oh, uh, Jack, you uh, looks like you got comfortable low. Have you what have you been up to masonically in the past couple weeks? Um, the past couple weeks, I have I continued to do my candidate instruction, which some people call mentoring, but it's really more instruction now than mentoring. I sat junior warden yesterday at our stated meeting and we had a visitor with us. There is a, a gentleman in in Lancaster uh, who is from Cuba. And he is in desperate straits trying to find a place to live. He was, um, uh, the house that he was renting a room in was converted into a family residence and he was put out on the street and he's having a really difficult time. And I am having a difficult time finding any place to, to help him get established. Uh, so if you know, anybody's in the Ephrata area, if you hear this, yeah. Let's, you, know, you can't see it, and we can't do it for the profane, but we're throwing the, the, the distress signals <laughs> silently. <laughs> so, uh, so there's that. And then I just got off the phone with our district deputy. And, uh, Are you still a member? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the announcement, um, but uh, every, every event at the Masonic Villages in Elizabethtown is canceled. Ooh, that would include... Including Trichler Lodge and the Academy of Masonic Knowledge. Ooh. Wow, Wow, there goes goes my notes. Yeah, well, there goes our interview. Well, given... The announcement will come out tomorrow. Yeah. Given the, uh, what's been going on around, and I mean, just earlier as we're recording this, earlier today, they announced the NCAA tournament's going to be played. Yeah, so if you're listening to this, like, if you're listening to this three years from after we record it... um, (laughs) We're if any the, of us are still around, right? This is the beginning of the coronavirus <laughs> issue. Of, play the cricket sound effect. This episode's in memoriam in of the Masonic Podcast crew. 
<clears throat> so Jack, I was with you for one thing that. Um, what did I forget? Um, oh yeah. I mean, I don't know how much we can tell, but there is a new grotto looking to get started in Chester County. It is a nascent grotto that's just sort of percolating right there and ready to blossom into a gorgeous flower of tomfoolery. Yeah. Can you give the name? Uh, it's going to be called Beersheba. Beersheba, that's right. Uh, and Beersheba, apparently that's a city in Israel. It, it is. actually is or yes, was. Until um, yeah. the incident. And, and it's in the, the Old Testament. The... Uh, <laughs> The the uh, Mason uh, Ralph uh, Bacon Poppy Huerta, who is spearheading this adventure, wrote a beautiful story about this this town of Beersheba and why his grotto should be named Beer, capital B, Sheba, capital S, Beer Sheba Grotto. So. Um, but uh, we but we that, we met with some of the guys. They yeah. seem fun, and I think. It could work out. We'll yeah. see. It's a good group. Josh, have you uh, done anything, Mr. Worshipful Master? Uh, we had our stated meeting um, that I will remind everybody that Larry did not attend. And <laughs> then we had... Uh, he, Larry is at risk. Yeah. <laughs> district, district deputy... You're playing the at-risk card. <laughs> nice. Manheim Lodge. Ah. And that was all right. I mean, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Oh, it's oh. nice to laugh again. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, you're going to hear um, an interview we just had with Brother um, brother Ronald Bates. Um, it's part genealogist, part, uh, I don't know, <laughs> part conspiracy theorist, part, I, we'll see. But he's the author of the book uh, Shakespeare's Lost Purple Bloodline. Um, And then follow up with us for some more show after that. Enjoy. Why choose George J. Grove & Sons for your next home improvement project? At George J. Grove & Sons, we've built our reputation on quality and trust for more than 50 years. For planning to materials to installation, George J. Grove promises a home improvement experience second to none. Whether your goal is reducing energy costs, decreasing maintenance, updating curb appeal, or simply increasing the value of your home, the George J. Grove team will recommend and provide solutions that stand the test of time. Call 717-393-0859 for an estimate or visit us at georgejgrove.com. Welcome back, everybody. Our guest tonight is Brother Ronald Bates. He's a member of Lodge 313 located in Sullivan, Ohio. And he took the York Wright path, which some of us do, some of us don't, uh, from the York Wright path all the way through to became a constituted Knight Templar in 2011, 2011 in Worcester, <laughs> Ohio. Commander E48, I believe. Isn't that right, Ron? That's correct. Yeah. And you actually completed the book that Pete introduced in 2018, Shakespeare's Lost Purple Bloodline. Tell us about your book. Uh, it's, it's, 
<clears throat> it's kind of a national treasure meets the Vinci Code meets Roots. And what I mean by that is <laughs> I've... Uh, That's good. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've... Uh, I researched every single generation back, and I've got every chapter and every family, and uh, I've made a complete bloodline or a family tree back to uh, King Henry VIII and Queen Elizabeth I. Now, how did you did you find stumble across them by just accident, or did you have like le- legend and lore in your family that you were somehow connected to those folks? You hit it right on the head. Uh, to tell you the little story there, my great-grandmother, she called all the children in, and she asked us the question, what would you do to change the world? And we were all kids, and we had to write down what, what we would do to change the world. And then she said, uh, you need to remember that it's very, very, very important that our grandparents changed the world a long, long time ago. They were all knights, and they took care of Queen Elizabeth I. She was the center of our family. They took care of the kings and queens for many, many centuries, and they were the best writers the English language ever knew. Uh, I could go on and on about this, but if you have any questions, just stop me. So, okay, so you had had some idea that your bloodline went back um, there. So how did you... How did you track it? I mean, uh, I know being Catholic, the Catholic Church has good records, but uh, your your ancestor kind of broke up with the Catholic Church. So, <laughs> yes, uh, all I did was got on ancestry dot com, and uh, to continue a little bit with my grandmother's story, she said uh, our grandparents were the best writers the English language ever knew. They had ways of hiding their names in the books they wrote, and they wrote stories about what they did. They did a project that when the world finds out what they did, it would leave the world in awe. <clears throat> they uh, created secret societies. And the greatest thing that they wanted to do in the world was have the Bible written in English. When I went into Ancestry, I typed in my great-grandmother's name, and it led me straight back to uh, Mary Sidney Herbert who Mary Sidney and her brother Philip Sidney translated the Bible into English, and that was a story that my grandmother had told me. So I basically just had the entire bloodline right there, and then I went in and researched uh, Google, Wikipedia, every single member of that bloodline, and that's what I used to uh, write my book. Wow. So so when you're mentioning, so is your book all um, historical, or is there is there a fictional component to it? Uh, I'll say it's 99% historical. Okay, so, um, the title is, uh, with, uh, you know, with Shakespeare. So, I understand where you're linking there with the, um, the greatest writer, but, um, what I got out of the book, um, was that there's a lot of people that do not believe that Shakespeare actually wrote Shakespeare's writings. That's correct. So what what is your belief or what is your assumption or hypothesis of what went on <laughs> without us having to read the book? <laughs> and and uh, if you see my book, then then you know some of the uh, things I've written about the why not why not uh, Shakespeare highlight 
he was a play broker. He did sell a couple of plays, but he scribbled his name and he spelled his name different every time. And uh, I've got a closet full of books and I tried to sum it up and not, you know, people write thousand page books on this and mine is uh, very short. Uh, one of the things is Queen Elizabeth was a virgin queen. So she had no children. However, at the same time, she endorsed a book which said that God uh, so loved that godly queen that he secretly preserved and magnified her offspring. So that's a book she endorsed. Uh, the queen made a law that she actually enforced that no one could speak of the queen's children unless they were one of her natural issue, which is a dumb law. And uh, then thirdly, there were bush bishops that were reporting to the Pope about the queen's children. So there's three smoking guns. You have to wonder what was going on. They started, uh, the whole family started secret societies. One of those was the uh, Oropagus, which was for the propagation of the English language. I don't really know what that word means, but that's what I read. Okay. And the other is the Knights of the Golden Helmet. And then uh, Sir Francis Bacon, there's been a lot written about him that he perhaps revised Freemasonry and actually wrote the first three degrees. And what I'd like to do now that I've shared that little bit with you is to take you on a couple of minute history where if you were uh, designing a society and you wanted to leave breadcrumbs to your generation, uh, this is how I think you would do it. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll follow along. Like okay, that. so uh, like I say, my great-grandmother said our grandparents, the greatest thing they wanted was the Bible written in English. The first guy after the Catholic Church declared that the Bible could only be written in Latin. Well, the English wanted the uh, living word in their own uh, language. So a guy by the name of John Wycliffe, yeah. he started handwriting the Bible and translating it after he was dead the clergy came dug up his bones they crushed them and then they scattered his bones into the river so that there was no remembrance of him evermore after him was a guy by the name of john huss he was one of john wycliffe's uh followers when he died and was burned at the stake they say that he was uh some of the books that Wycliffe had handwritten, the Bibles, were actually used in the fire. His last words were, In a hundred years, a man will be raised whose voice you will not suppress. Almost a hundred years later, exactly, Martin Luther came along. Uh, he was called to the Diet of Worms, and while he was in the Diet of Worms, almost to speak out against the church could be a death sentence. But in his ending, he said, I will not, I shall not, I cannot retract what I have said against the Catholic Church, for to do so would be against my uh, conscience and against God. Have mercy on my soul. Amen. I just thought that was kind of neat. I will not, I shall not, and I cannot. And he's practically talking about a death sentence. Then, uh, there was a guy, William Tinsdale. He was working with Martin Luther throughout Europe to translate the Bible into English. 
He coined more words in English than Shakespeare. And for that, he was given the name, the great architect of the English language. Before he was burned at the stake, his last words were, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. And then along comes Henry VIII. At first, he was buying up all the books that Tinsdale was printing, and he was burning them for the Pope. He wanted the Pope's favor so that he could marry Anne Boleyn. Uh, the Pope wouldn't give him permission. So he, uh, he finally decided, you know what? I'm the head of the church. He uh, then made it so that an English Bible was put on every pulpit in England. That's a pretty big uh, move towards the English Bible. Henry was known as the lion. His coronation was June 24th, otherwise known as St. John's Day. His and Anne Boleyn's initials are carved into a castle in England that you can still see to this day. The carving is two pillars, and then in between the two pillars is a compass with a square placed over top of it. And then lastly, you get to the rumored mother of all of these writers, Elizabeth I. She wore a dress that had ears and eyes all over it because it was said she saw and heard everything. And that's as far as you go. Now, uh, we didn't tell any secrets there, but if you think about that and you've been through the degrees, I should have said a lot of buzzwords that, wow, that's in the history of the writing of the English Bible. Yeah, absolutely. I was a, so a lot of that was a lot of stuff to digest. So I want to go, <clears throat> Ron Lyra here. I want to go yeah. back to Queen Elizabeth, the Virgin Queen. I think all of our lives we were brought up to believe she never had any children. Yep. But actually, for the past few years, I've been reading that she probably had a few. And through your research, you mentioned that Robert Dudley was probably her husband. And that they bore, what, five or six children, including the possibility of Francis Bacon as a child. So what's your take on that? Were you shocked when you found that out? I was. My, my grandmother, uh, we even asked as kids, so Elizabeth was the center of our family, were any of our grandparents kings or queens? And she said, no, none of them. And she was almost fearful that we could think that well as i did the research every one of the knights and the ones that were around her that were my grandparents if you read about their great grandmother or great grandfather they were like a son or a daughter they were just either a grandchild or a great grandchild of a king so i didn't know why my grandmother had come up with that because they all were nobility and basically all nobility comes from a king a few generations back do you think that English history recognizes the fact that she had children? What's your take on that? Uh, I don't think so. It, it seems to be almost a religion. Okay. Okay. Well, that then, the next question I want to ask you is, if that's the case, if they believe that, why do they think that William Shakespeare wrote all these plays and poems? Is that also a myth? What does your research <laughs> say about that? You're talking, to, you're, you're talking to a guy who would say that absolutely is 100% a myth. I'm For guessing you're going with the Bacon theory. Found, uh, 
Edward DeVere's signature in a book that back then they were saying uh, one of the Lord Chamberlains had to sign for the play before it went to production. And there were two Lord Chamberlains at the time. And uh, the one was shutting down the playhouses and the other was the writer Edward DeVere. So they were suggesting that. Well, I had known from my, my uh, research and reading a book, uh, Edward DeVere, Queen Elizabeth's Son, I, I believe was the name of it. And there they go to the uh, 46th Psalm, and they say the, the 46th word from the beginning is will, and or uh, shake, and the 46th word from the end is spear. So I looked at the, uh, the dedication to that play, and I counted 30 words from the uh, end, and it's the uh, word were, two capital V's to make the W, and I said, well, right there is Veer. And then I counted 30 words from the beginning, and I got uh, the word duh. Well, I took a ruler, and I laid it across the V to, to cross it out, so I had veer. And then I laid it across the uh, the word duh to cross out the H, so I had the E. And uh, the two words were the worth. And then I drew, and I noticed, wow, that's the heading of the title. It's straight up and down uh, with the ruler. And I said, well, you know what? we work with squares let me go grab a square so i took a square and i put it on that line and i dropped it down equal to the heading on the other side and i had ewor i said okay edward veer it's it's missing a d so what we also find uh f bako in uh i believe it's uh in the tempest is f bako for francis bacon so i can miss a d and also uh, in Shakespeare's sonnets, uh, the 22nd or 24th, I forget which one, it said, every word, every word doth almost reveal my identity. And people have written every word is but for a letter, Edward DeVere. So you find their, uh, their signatures written, but missing a uh, letter or two. Why do you, what is your... Uh your thought as to why they hid their why they why they would have made this a secret why why not own up to writing some of these these works uh for one they wanted to prove the project they were doing so they needed to write directions and i no sooner got done writing my book and i reread it and I said, they didn't just write Shakespeare. They did something bigger than this. And I, I kind of want to keep some of those cards close to my uh, to hip because I'm, I'm talking right now to someone who is possible, possibly interested in uh, making some kind of a movie with me. But generally, have you ever heard of a place called Oak Island? I've, I've heard all yeah. I've heard all about it and I've seen the, uh, you know, the, the, the money show. pit and all that stuff, but. But if I were to tell you that I've found a map with different things that they wrote and used uh, both Freemasonry, the map in Washington, D.C., Oak Island, and a map that I drew or I had to discover across the world, and it led me to a place that I had to go and uh, 
last year I went went up there and I wanted to go out in the middle of the woods where my map ended to see what I could find. So you went you actually did went to Oak Island. Okay. I well, I went in, into the uh into the wilderness, let's say. Okay. Metaphoric. Okay. Into but, the wilderness. But but I did I did visit Oak Island also while we were up there. My son who was also a Templar down in Columbus, he said you're not going anywhere without me, so we both went together. We went out in the middle of the woods where there should be nothing, and uh, I told him, I said, it's this many feet, this many feet. It was basically the roughest environment, and when we got there, there was some kind of an indent in the ground, and we took pictures and filmed it, and that's why we're getting people that are kind of interested in this. And uh, this map I have, I've cut different pieces out, and I can take paintings of say uh, George Washington laying the foundation of the Capitol building and I can hold them up to that and show you and I I have done this uh, at work in other places and people are amazed they said I can't believe it they left their signature in this odd way that they did that they were part of building this map what kind of um, so I mean you know the book is entitled Shakespeare have you gotten a lot of feedback from from any scholars or any uh, any people that are more, I guess, Shakespeare-centric and not... We come from the Masonic point of view on this show, but what about from, like, the yeah. Shakespeare point of view? Uh, I've honestly not shared a lot, and nor have I uh, pushed it. They offered to put me on uh, talk shows, different things like this, and they said, that'll push your book. It was never really about... Uh, pushing it out there to anyone it it was about mostly just a family endeavor so that uh it's a legacy five generations after i'm gone somebody will read it and say wow this guy took the time and effort to remember all of this but now i'm on a different journey that goes further than that book um so i'm i'm a little more lowbrow in my thinking so when i when i when i read through shakespeare one of the things that jumped out to me and this is going to be kind of a little quiz for you um, okay. so we counted that there were 74 different scripted deaths in Shakespeare's novels or sonnets and plays. So I'm just going to ask, what do you think the top four methods of death are to see if we can find a Masonic, uh, connection here? So what do you think that the, the top four ways that people were killed in, in Shakespeare's plays? Um, anybody, any of the anybody but Tim can chime in. <laughs> I got disqualified after the uh, groundhog uh, quiz. That would be poisoning, burning at the stake, uh, stabbing, stabbing uh, drawn and quartered. All right. Bo- boiling was a big one. Ron, do you have any? You have any uh, suggestions? Uh, I, I would say poisoning, uh, being stabbed. I don't recall too much being burned at the stake but all right josh do you have any uh, any or can you read my notes yeah coronavirus I don't <laughs> oh, all right well you know uh you guys got two which means you're you're pretty good masons um uh stabbed and poisoned or stabbed and poisoned there was uh, somebody that was stabbed and poisoned right. but you forgot um beheaded yeah, yeah. and then the uh, the number two one Smothered by pillow. Apparently, oh. Shakespeare used to smother a lot of people with a pillow. <laughs> but 
you know. You know, you know I'd like to personally thank you for this research. See, <laughs> <laughs> so this is where I understand when you when you went down this rabbit hole, I started reading about Shakespeare and I started reading about Sir Francis Bacon, and then I got off on a tangent about how people got killed. So mm, bacon. Yeah. Mm. I think it's also interesting to note that in all the Shakespeare plays and sonnets. Freemasons, Freemasonry was mentioned in some form or another, what, about 157 times? Yeah. Where would that be, Larry or Ron? <laughs> <laughs> you can ask me to quote a play. It is, it is in Google. I do know that uh, in Shakespeare you'll find them calling out, look, it's my old worshipful master. And they also mention, what should I do with it? And they say, let her in have. Wow. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, Larry, thanks for never mentioning that in four years of the show. I mean, I, you know, you could have brought that up sooner. Well, we're talking about a topic, and I don't want to overwhelm the topic, but um, I'm a keen believer, and I believe like Ron, that Shakespeare never wrote a damn thing. So, so Ron, um, <laughs> so, so Ron, you joined the Masonic Lodge back in like 2008, 2009 era. Um, Correct. What, 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 what led you to join? What, what, why did you want to join the Lodge? The first thing I found when I was uh, doing the genealogy was Mary Sidney, who uh, translated the Book of Psalms into English. And then I read about her a book. And in that book, it told how she created so many words in the English language and that uh, people couldn't differentiate between her writings or William Shakespeare's. And the only thing that historians could agree on was that either she borrowed from Shakespeare or Shakespeare borrowed from her. And then I saw that her two sons, the incomparable pair of brethren, the one, William Herbert, was a grand master of the lodge back in the early 1600s. And I said, I got to know what this is about. Wow, that's pretty cool. Jack, did you, uh, you had something? Um, no, you were just talking about Masonic references in Shakespeare. And there is, there is one that we hear um, when we talk about traveling upon the level of time toward that undiscovered country. That's straight out straight of out of Shakespeare. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Ron, did you find any more um, correlations when you got in, into commandery, or did the, the kind of or that the kind of was spun away a little bit from uh, from Shakespeare and Bacon? You know, uh, actually, when I got my third degree, I stood up and I told a little spiel about I found out my. Uh, Great grandparents way back, and I told a little about my grandmother saying that our grandparents were the best uh, writers the English language ever knew. And uh, and I said, and, uh, I just wondered uh, what my trail is. I have to get more education in masonry. And one of the older guys in the lodge came over and sat next to me, and he said, keep going. You're going to find uh, things in your family tree that are very, very uh, controversial. And, of course, the main thing I think of now, looking back, is a virgin queen having kids. Yeah. That's pretty controversial. Yeah. <laughs> there was only one before her. Yeah, right. I, and there was another fellow who, who helped me on my uh, first three degrees. I would study with him. And he was an older guy in the lodge. He'd been through most degrees. I don't know exactly how far. But I asked him one day, I said, I'm, I've got all these things that there was these different people that wrote Shakespeare, and they're all my grandparents. And my uh, my grandfather and his brother were the incomparable pair of brethren that uh, Shakespeare was dedicated to. 
and he pointed his finger at me and he said, first, you're going to learn about Solomon's lodge. Then later you'll learn about your grandparents. And so I expected all the way through York, right? I'm going to learn something and nobody ever mentioned anything about that. So I was a little disheartened. <laughs> if, uh, if somebody wanted to uh, get a hold of your book, what's the, what's the best way? Amazon. Okay, so just do a uh, go to Amazon. Just do a search for me. Uh, pull up the uh, was it Shakespeare's Lost Purple Bloodline? Lo- Correct. I always I always like shuffle my notes when we're talking, and then I don't have them. Okay, well, definitely keep us posted. I know you don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but if uh, if you're going to have a big reveal, please keep us in mind to uh, be part of it. Oh, <laughs> uh, will do. Well, Ron, I want to thank you for coming on. Um, gentlemen, do you have anything else? Uh, thanks for being on the show. Oh, how do, how do they go about getting his book? On Amazon. We covered that. We oh, did covered we cover it. that? You were snoring. See, okay. <laughs> See, this is what we have to deal with with Larry. <laughs> <laughs> He's in charge of our technical stuff. Uh, we're repeating again. You can get it on Amazon. At the historic Smithton Inn of Ephrata, Pennsylvania, we're pleased to serve the latest creations from Weathered Vineyard Winery along with spirits from Thistle Finch Distillery in Lancaster. All to be experienced in the tasting room of a beautifully restored 18th century bed and breakfast. Cigars by DNS Cigar are available for your enjoyment in the courtyard. The historic Smithton Inn is convenient to Lancaster County's most interesting attractions. Just minutes from the Ephrata Cloister and the Green Dragon Farmer's Market, and a short drive can get you to charming Lidditz, thriving downtown Lancaster, as well as Hershey, Bird in Hand, and Intercourse, or Valley Forge and Gettysburg. Whether you're looking for a romantic getaway or an active vacation full of sightseeing and attractions, the historic Smithton Inn will be a welcoming oasis from everyday life, one that you'll want to visit again and again. Stop in and visit at 900 West Main Street in Ephrata, Pennsylvania, or check out our website at historicsmithtoninn.com or simply call us at 717-733-6094. Just ask for Passmaster Dave. Hey, we're back. Uh, we just heard from uh, Brother Ronald Bates. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot to digest there, but I would recommend that you you pick up a copy of the book and you read it. Yeah, go to Amazon. It's a real easy pickup, and uh, it does a lot of good research on the family tree, and you know, just it's it's good stuff. Um, so hey, where'd you get that shirt, Tim? I got it at the <laughs> store for the uh, Northern Masonic Jurisdiction. Wow, what is that called? Oh, uh, the Masonic Marketplace, it's I think. It's called the Masonic Marketplace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, go to Scottish Rite NMJ, Scottish Rite N for Northern, M for Masonic, and J for Jurisdiction.org, and uh, check it out. You can all buy cool of, stuff. And all you kinds can, of items. And there. you can see when all the uh, upcoming degrees are going to be in different areas, or plays, as Larry likes to say. No plays. Oh, you know what? I just wonder when we're sitting here. What do you think our friend Dutchy Doug is up to? You know, it's funny you should say that, Pete. I actually have a communication from him. Oh, well, let's hear it. 
Gouda dog leva brida. That's Pennsylvania Dutch for hello, dear brothers. Here's Dutchy Duck bringing an update from my lodge, the Broken Pla number 377. The last time I gave everyone an overview and introduction about our lodge. This time I need to tell you all about the goings-on at our last stated meeting. Last month during the reading of the minutes, Brother Eli Iwahuzza snuck out of the lodge room to attend to the facilities. Now what you have to know is that our facilities is an Adhas, just a few paces due east of the temple. And we're quite proud of our Adhas. It's a two-seater. That way you can encourage the guy next to you. Anyway, Brother Eli was out there and while taking care of his business, the floorboards cracked and Donnie went. Guess he had overindulged in the pot pie during dinner. Brother Eli is what we call pretty rond, if you know what I mean. Now for those of you city folks who have never used an hothouse before, let me tell you something. There's nothing stopping your fall except, well, you know, the stinky bronze stuff. Now our pit's a good 30 feet down, so Brother Eli wasn't just going to be able to climb back on. After about a good 10 minutes, a lot of the brothers started to wonder what had happened to Eli. Brother Jimmy Hingelhaas, our trusty sentinel, stepped outside to see what he could see. He immediately heard Brother Eli's muffled shots for help. Brother Jimmy ran back in without knocking. It was an emergency for goodness sake, and announced in a loud and audible tone of voice, Eli fell down the hole. Worshipful Master Appleschnitz quickly and unceremoniously called the craft off from labor. We all ran outside, except for Brother Donnie Schlover who had fallen asleep on the sidelines. As we congregated around the hole, we weren't quite sure what to do. Luckily, one of the brothers ran back into the lodge and grabbed a cable tow. Don she went. A brother Eli's hands were so smeary from the, you know what, that he had a hard time grabbing hold of the rope. One of the brothers yelled out, Just clean your hands, you dumb bunny. In the meantime, brother Donnie had woken up and came outside. He was so fahoodled that he thought we were doing the Royal Arch degree and was ready to help Brother Eli out of the quote-unquote Walt. <laughs> Brother Eli finally got the cable toe wrapped around his waist, gave the nod, and up we pulled him. When he finally got back on solid ground, he was pretty ripe, if you know what I mean. We hosed him off right then and there. A motion was made and quickly seconded to fix the Adha's floor and to reinforce it so that something like this will never happen again. Slowly we made our way back into the lodge room. Brother Eli headed home, and we closed the meeting in peace and harmony, a lot more tired than we were when it started. Let's hope that next month will be a little less eventful. Till next time, work hard, stay plumb, and out in the lights when you leave the room. And we're back! <laughs> So it's good you were paying attention. So uh, anyway, for the first four or five years of this show, anytime I'd ever talk, I talked about things from a former executive officer, a former worshipful master or monarch point of view. I got to tell you, and Tim will understand this, now that I've been secretary treasurer for my Tall Cedars chapter... <laughs> kind Forest. of changes your perspective. <laughs> wow. It is a different world. Uh -huh. And um, I just got to say, like, I have a feeling, and Tim, maybe you can back me up. I, I firmly believe that 50% of Masonic bodies 
nationwide, and if properly known worldwide, <laughs> have no idea what they're doing financially. Yeah. Would you guys concur with that? I think that's totally yeah. accurate. I, I'd like to say my lodge is an exception, and I think we are. But, I think there are exceptions yeah. all around. But uh, but yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff that just happens organically. That That's how we've done it for the last 75 years, and that's how they keep doing it. I, it I, I just feel like, like this our forest has run fine for the past hundred years just mm-hmm. by the grace of God mm-hmm. because there was enough members paying enough dues that things just met. And, and also they were semi good stewards. There were no thieves. Nobody's stolen anything, mm-hmm. yeah. but like, wow. Like when I'm crunching these numbers now, it is, it is frightening. And as an example, our dues are $35 per member. However, we have a good portion of our membership that are 50-year members that no longer pay dues. Mm -hmm. They also offered at one point, I guess it's still around, um, you can purchase a lifetime membership in Mm -hmm. our forest for a certain amount of money. And it was low, like I think like $500. So none of those people are paying dues anymore. Mm So out of the $35 dues, we have to pay $17 to Supreme Council and then another three for to, to, to um, muscular dystrophy. Mm-hmm. So at least $15 mm-hmm. <laughs> times about two-thirds of our membership. Mm-hmm. The math is just isn't there. Exactly. And, you know. Well, and the money that you've got coming in, um, you know, in the good old days, you could take it down to your local bank and – uh, drop any surplus that you had into a CD for six months or two years or whatever, and get a decent rate of make return. Three or four points, yeah. You could make some make make a little bit of interest and stuff like that. <clears throat> Nowadays, you can't do that. Uh, putting your money in a CD is just like putting it into your checking account. You're mm-hmm. not going to make any money on it. And yet, we have <clears throat> trustees all over the state in all kinds of Masonic bodies that have significant monies sitting in certificates of deposit, Mm. uh, or as a good friend of mine calls it, certificates of depreciation, Mm. uh, because it does not even keep up with, uh, you know, changes in the economy. So, um, no, I I totally back you up on that, Pete. Um, Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a reason. There's a reason, though, and and that is, you know, it goes, ain't broke, don't fix. So, but it, if you if you forever in your history as a body have used you know zero baseline budgeting mm-hmm. and and you've got you know we're going to take in this much we're going to we can only then spend this much so you're never eating into your principles so you never have to worry about that money that you've got put aside it doesn't have to grow it doesn't have to do anything because you're 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 always you know revenue equals expense and and at the end of the day you might transfer a couple of dollars back and forth or whatever. There's a whole new generation of people that are coming into leadership positions, um, supreme you know or tall you know, grand tall and 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 gr- monarchs of grottos and and even you know masters of blue lodges that are coming in and no we're going to have dinners. We're going to have the wives. We're going to do this. We're going to have that. And we're going to. So there's so there's more money being spent because if we don't do that, we're dead mm-hmm. because we we have to keep we have to pump life into it. Right. Um, because it was on such a downward trajectory. So there, it is happening. It is definitely happening. I don't know what we can do other than to tell people that are listening. 
um, to, you know, with, with respect, talk to your trustees, find out where the money is invested. They, they're supposed to be reporting on this in Lodge. Right? Well, that's one of the things we were saying, Tim. How did you phrase it? What, what should trustees be doing? Well, in essence, it, trustees are only advisors to the Lodge themselves. That money does not belong to the trustees. Correct. They are elected trustees to recommend changes uh, to investments and so on like that to the lodge, not to make those decisions and simply report back. And I think in too many cases, we don't take the time and give um, that part of our work much uh, time. Uh, and then in, if just if, you know, it, in all fairness, we don't train people. Uh, there's no training that goes on for trustees about how to do this stuff. Um, it tends to be just somebody that's been in the lodge for a while and someone that's somebody respected. who's been in banking. Somebody right. that's oh no! In in in, in in my in 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 the local Cedars <clears throat> chapter, it's the most three recent guys who go out of the east. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so. You know, I was a phone salesman, you know? I mean, like, I know I have some business sense, but I've never owned a business. I've never had to really be the one ultimately in charge of a budget before. Without naming any names, we had, many years ago, 20 plus years ago, we had a a fellow passed away and left us a lot of money. And they split the money in half, and they gave half of it to one trustee to invest, and half of it to another trustee to invest. And one of the trustees who invested it invested it in essentially CDs. Um, and 10 years later, they looked at, at the numbers, and the, that half had no more buying power than when they put it into the, into the bank in the first place. Exactly. It, it, had, it had just barely kept up with inflation. Mm-hmm. The other one had almost doubled. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know that was a that was a bell ringer. That was that was like, hey, you know, this is stuff you have to pay attention to. You know, we don't have a ton of money, but we do have a thirty thousand dollar permanent fund, for lack of a better word. If we could get five percent interest, that's twenty. That's you know fifteen hundred dollars a year. And unfortunately, the only way you're going to get that is to invest in the market. Right. I'm just saying. Just and if I look at somebody like my former lodge that has. I don't know, just shy of six figures, if not six figures, or seven, seven figures. Seven. Just seven shy figures. of seven figures or around seven figures. Yeah. You're missing like, a figure there. Like, I just really hope you guys have invested somewhere better than a CD. Yeah. Well, and there are all kinds of advisors out there that can provide advice to trustees and to lodges. Um, and, and frankly, you should uh, engage in conversations with, uh, as most businesses do, almost like putting that out for bid every 10 or 15 years at least. And, and the, the Grand Lodge has some resources in the that Grand Lodge has well. a lot not, of not resources. That you, not that you necessarily have right. to give all your money to the Grand Lodge, but they have people who can talk to you. And, I, like I, and I'm just – lear- exactly. I'm just beca- I'm mentioning because I'm only becoming aware. I'm not an expert. Yeah. So, But generally in these bodies, if the money is in a permanent account, that, that can't be touched, but that interest – can be put back into a general account or, be. and, and yeah. be used. Well, and, and you think about it. I mean, obviously, the last few weeks is, is not a good example of this. But over the last 10 or 12 years. 150 years. Well, let's just say the last 10 or 12 years, 
um, that that's been going. You know, um, the markets the market's been doing quite well. You and and, and from a historical perspective, if you look at the history of mm-hmm. the stock market, long term, any ten year band over the entire history of the market, the stock market has gone one direction, and that's up. Uh, yes, there have been peaks and valleys. Uh, there have been times like we're going through right now where there are forces that are coming to bear. The market corrects itself, all of those things. But in the end, if you smartly invest with mm-hmm. the advice of a good uh, financial advisor, uh, there's absolutely no reason you can't make 8 to 10% easy uh, on your money if you're willing o- to – Over a 10-year span. Over a 10-year, 12-year yeah. span. So I'm not I'm – not, I'm, I'm 60 – I'm not sweating my 401k right now. No, me either. Not a chance. Might not open. Neither the, am I. You don't lose money until you sell. <laughs> might not. Might not open the uh, statement that's uh, coming in. So oh hell no! Uh-uh. Just put not it in the drawer look. and leave it alone. Yeah. Well, I think I speak for Tim, Larry, and myself that uh, Jack and Josh, keep, please keep working, keep paying in the <laughs> yeah. Social Security. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need your support. Yeah. I'm close. Oh. I'm close. So yeah, so you know, that's that's a whole other show for another day. Maybe we can get have another show out trustee of that. Trustee show. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, going, well, on, the it's going right on the board. Now. Boom. Well, maybe not trustee ship. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> trustees, man. All righty. Um, <laughs> so let's take a, we'll take a quick break. We're going to hear from Michelle Snyder, Jim Stevens, who is probably going to talk about something about money, maybe, hopefully. I don't know. And then we'll come back with our news from Brother Cronkite, chickens, and what's going on, and we'll get the heck out of here. <coughs> Unlocking Symbols with Symbologist Michelle Snyder. The gavel unlocked. Our golden key can unlock whispers of secrets hidden in all kinds of things. The gavel, for example. It connotes authority, begins and ends meetings, seats people in the courthouse, and punctuates the proceedings in a Masonic lodge. A symbol of power and leadership, the gavel has a long, prestigious, and practical history, one that can help enlighten us as to why it carries such authority. Information about the origin of the word gavel was all but non-existent, but according to Dr. Ensman, it originates from the verb phrase, to go. It is a call to action. It began with a mallet. The mallet was a tool used by megalith astronomers in the creation of a standard length of measure, necessary in the building of of megalithic observatories. They had to be absolutely exact. Creating this measuring tool was done with a pendulum and a star. Counting the swings of the pendulum between the sighting of a star passing between two markers would prove the length of the pendulum cord the standard length known as the megalithic yard. The whack of the mallet signaled when to start and when to stop the swing. A mallet was also used to pound pegs into the ground in the geometric formations necessary to divide a circle. The geometry of dividing a circle became the foundation for the division of time. Discovery of the Venus clock by the megalithic mariners made it possible. Division of a circle into five, six, and seven equal parts was critical in preparing megaliths that included both solar and lunar sequences. Venus moves in a series of eight-year cycles, making a five-pointed star. The star, really a planet, is a highly accurate clock. 
she times to the split second long-term cycles, days, weeks, months, years, centuries. The tradition, science, and ethics that evolved from this are extraordinary and timelessly valid. The five-pointed star pattern was reproduced on the ground with strings around pegs. The whack of the mallet pounding in the pegs became a signal for get with it, go to work, stretch the cord around the pegs. The patterns for megalith observatories were laid out on the ground with stakes and string. Whack! Hammer in a peg with a cord attached, and you can draw a perfect circle. This science was passed on through oral tradition for thousands of years, through many cultures, to the Templars. Then the knowledge was suppressed, and yet it survives as a Masonic lore. Whack! The sound resounds through the corridors of history to our ears today. Whack! The gavel calls, and a master mason steps forward carrying the rod and cord. Freemasons and those who preceded them for thousands of years have preserved the traditions of history and science as a framework for truth. For more like this, get Symbology Revision. Next time, we will unlock the secrets in the tortured history of the swastika and Gamadian. If you'd like to take a deeper look, be sure to check out Michelle's book, Symbology Revision. A link for purchase can be found on the Freya Foundation website. That's freafoundation.net. While you're there, take a look at some of Michelle's other works and find out more about the Freya Foundation and its mission to research and publish the Ensman archives. It's time for the Lodge Business Brief with Brother Jim Stevens. Well, again, Masonic Light Podcast listeners, this is Jim Stevens with another Lodge Business Brief. I have said many times that one of the greatest parts of this fraternity is anyone can become a leader. The fraternity provides the tools and the means for any person, regardless of background and profession, to stand in the East and take their turn. That said, leadership doesn't just happen. We need to prepare ourselves to lead. Just like the candidate is duly prepared, so should we be for our time in the spotlight. We should ensure that when our time comes, we are as prepared as possible. Learning to lead is not a passive activity. You need to actively learn and develop your skills. Take advantage of sitting in other chairs. Actively seek out mentors and people who have already done it before you. Listen to what they have to say and ask questions with the intent to learn from the answers. Additionally, there are a few things that you can do by yourself that will accelerate your preparation. First, be willing to be wrong. Look at mistakes and errors as the tuition to learning. Being wrong may feel bad, but it is just a normal part of progress. Reframing your expectations from fear and loathing to anticipation and gratitude will reduce the negative emotions. Second, be willing to review. After every meeting, conversation, interaction with a brother, you should mentally rewind it. Decide if there's any parts that you could have done better, things you would have changed, or incomplete sections. Identify at least one thing to change and find a way to make that change happen. You will have the same meeting, conversation, interaction again. If you don't learn and improve each time, you will be doomed to repeat the same errors. Third, read and listen. There are plenty of books, articles, and podcasts out there on leadership. You never know which of those will spark an idea that will be the next great event for your lodge. The more you absorb, the higher the chance of finding that spark. Fourth, just do it. Starting is the hardest thing to do. You will find plenty of learning opportunities as you lead. 
take the first step and volunteer to lead something. Even a small one-day event is a great place to start. Additional ideas on how to develop your leadership can be found in my book, Lodge Business, The Theoretical Application of Entrepreneurial Business Practices to Blue Lodge, available on Amazon. This is Jim Stevens with your Lodge Business Brief. Sonic News Today. Reports from the Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania concerning the coronavirus were distributed to... The Masonic News will continue when the coronavirus has been contained. Thank you for listening. What happened to Brother Cronkite? Cronkite? What happened to Brother Larry? You tried to ruin a bit. Really? (laughs) Why? Because his freaking dentures are falling out. His partial just fell out. He's laughing so hard. Oh, God. Oh, goodness. Wow. So, yeah, and... and, uh, we kind of mentioned it earlier. I mean, who knows? After all, editing what what stick is <laughs> what what's going to make it? We yeah. here, were we not? But here? Um, apparently, yeah, there's going to be an announcement tomorrow. Or if you're listening, last week there's going to be an announcement <laughs> that uh, yeah, the Masonic Villages is going to like not be having any public functions, no gatherings, no, no gatherings. gatherings, including apparently the um, Academy. Academy of Masonic Knowledge. Yeah, which is a huge tragedy for. So we need to find out, Larry, if if the grand the grandmaster of Cuba is still going to be in town, so we can. uh, I will find it out tomorrow with Brian Hill. I doubt he will fly in for that. We're not being there. I bet he won't. (coughs) But I got something for him to meet. Yeah, because I was hoping for you know um, some some Cuban coffee and that that I want the cigars that bread you can with the butter on it that you dip into the coffee and the whole thing. But in all seriousness, I mean, uh, when you think about our fraternity and the, you know, the average age of most Masonic lodges is generously probably in the 70s or 80s. uh, this is something that has the potential to. Well, plus somewhere there's somewhere there's a good Masonic meme in here. Yeah, like, exactly. Like like without a handshake. How are we? <laughs> yeah. How are we, how are we gonna get all this done without any of these secret yeah, handshakes? Yeah, we can't do any handshakes. So, uh, um, but in all seriousness, folks. Uh, Stay well out there, and uh, you know, uh, hopefully, we'll get through this. And uh, it 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 could be worse. I mean, we've heard uh, stories of other jurisdictions that are you know canceling lots of meetings, and uh, uh, just just stay stay well out there. Okay, so uh, we got a lot of stuff coming up, or actually, some of the stuff just got scratched <laughs> yeah, off. I was going to say the canceled. first upcoming thing was the Academy of Masonic Knowledge. Yeah. Um, so we will not be hearing former guest Chuck Dunning uh, <laughs> talk about the psychology of Freemasonry, and we will not be hearing Brother Victor Julian Avila Amatier about Freemasonry in Cuba. But I don't know, maybe they'll do something virtual. You know, it might be a time to uh, reach out to our good folks at the uh, Virtual Lodge up in Canada. And uh, Yeah, meanwhile, they're having record growth <laughs> record right now. Record growth up there, you know. <laughs> 
but seriously, it, it'll be interesting to see if this kind of thing changes the fraternity in some way to allow more virtual type of um, things to occur. I mean, obviously, the academy, for example, there's an in-person component, but you can watch that from the comfy of your yeah, home. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to, instead of like these fancy grips, I'll have to learn like a sign language salute. A flash. More than something. just one finger yeah, that right. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, March 22nd, if this isn't canceled, I'll be uh, in the Feast of the Paschal Lamb at the Valley of Reading. I'll be the Night Steward Order. <clears throat> and if they do cancel that, I guess I'll, I'll do my part on air. There you go. Because it's public and you can hear it. Okay, good. I teach all about Passover. Um, April 17 and not to 19, the Pennsylvania Grotto Association will be meeting in Ellicottville, New York. Um, I'm going to be riding up with former guest and Eagle Scout, Jay Laser. Laser. Uh, we're going to be stopping at Straub Brewery in Mount St. Mary's, Pennsylvania. Or St. Mary's. St. Mary's. Yeah, and uh, yeah, for educational purposes. Yeah, of course. May 8th through 10th, the Supreme Forest of Tall Cedars of Lebanon of North America. Convention's going to be in Wildwood. Um, then the uh, Friday, May 16th, or May 15th and 16th, that's a reunion weekend here in uh, central Pennsylvania with both the Valley of Reading and the Grand Valley of Harrisburg. Um, Indeed. Have some stuff going on. And uh, Pete, I think you're in a couple of those degrees, aren't you? I'm. I have a whopping four lines in the thirty-second degree, uh-huh. and uh, Larry will be observing from a chair backstage, monitoring yeah. Scott Helm lifting things. <laughs> I am scheduled to be in the eighteenth degree, by the way. Again, okay. um, will you will you be standing or what? Is your... I have no no clue. No lines, though, right? No lines. No. Okay, that's that's perfect. I'll be uh, <clears throat> I'll be in a couple of degrees uh, at the. Uh, Grand Valley of uh, Harrisburg, the 7th, I believe, and the 32nd degree. And uh, I uh, also uh, have been informed that I'm going to be joining the line in the uh, Lodge of Perfection Whoa. in the Valley of uh, Harrisburg. So It's very uh, prestigious. I was, I was excited to get the call. That was, that was nice of them to actually speak to someone. <laughs> I would like to think that that was... Uh... I, you should feel proud. I was there for 20 years. Nobody talked to me. <laughs> oh, um, May 18 to 21, the Supreme uh, Council of Grottos is going to yes. be in your uh, neck of the woods yes, sir, in Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky. And, um, or as and, we say, Louisville. And Louisville. another former guest of ours, uh, Rick Santella, wanted me to tell you guys... Um, the Philadelphia Region High 12 Clubs are going to be hosting their first ladies' night. This is uh, September, so you got plenty of time to make arrangements to be here. Um, the Harvest Ball. And uh, tickets and everything will be uh, – you, you can find it on our in our show notes. And I'll give my notes to, to Josh so he'll know to put them on there. There you go. You guys have anything else that you want to cover? <coughs> I do. Oh, God. <laughs> no, it's just, it's just briefly. Everybody knows – that I love chicken pot pie. To me, it's the greatest Pennsylvania Dutch dish ever invented. Chicken and dumplings. Okay. No, chicken pot pie. <laughs> it's it's uh, Josh's three favorite things. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Well, there is a pot pie dinner. <clears throat> Sandy Hoover is the pot pie specialist, by the way. Makes the best chicken pot pie I ever ate, actually. 
on Saturday, March the 28th from 3 to 7 p.m. at the Lancaster Masonic Center. And it is a fundraiser to benefit one of the Masonic Brothers. So again, if you're in the tri-state area, make that trip to Lancaster, tri-state, New Jersey, what New York. What states are those? Just try any state. Just try any state. Doesn't what matter. about Delaware? Just come on down the first state, for a really Maryland? great chicken pot pie dinner. I will be there, by the way, okay. to greet people and sign any autographs you may wasn't need. wasn't sure what tri-states. You will you be shaking to? hands, Larry, or are you going to yeah, try not to? I will have rubber gloves. <laughs> That's my announcement. All right. All right, Larry, why don't you just take us out just of here? Just get it out of here. Cue those chickens. Yeah, there we go. Hey! Hey! <clears throat> Special thanks to our director, producer, Josh Lamberton. Always a great job. To our, uh, who the hell am I usually? Oh, Effort and Lodge, 665. 665. 665. For allowing Maris. us to continue to broadcast from this beautiful studio in beautiful downtown Ephrata. Also to our Masonic-like contributors, Jim Stevens, Dutchie Doug, and Michelle Snyder. Jack Harley, our news director. Walter Cronkite, our news director. Yeah, well, yeah, Jack's the news director. He, he hires the talent. Right. Wow. And uh, Tim Dedman, our marketing director. So, everybody, thank you for all the great work that you do. I'm going to close up with a quickie tonight from John Goody, from the Godolphin Lodge 7790, the United Grand Lodge of England. Now, a woman gets on a bus with her baby. The bus driver says to the lady, he says, that's the ugliest baby I have ever seen. Ah! The woman goes to the rear bus and sits down, fuming. And she says to the Freemason that's next to her, the driver just insulted me. The man says, you go right up there and tell him off. Go ahead. I'll hold your monkey for you. Thanks for listening. This is Larry. Have a great day. This is Tim. This is Josh. This is Pete shaking hands. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Oh, and Jack, he's not here. He says bye.